the video starts like this taco that's dripping and then I do like dip shots and cheese bowls with nachos. And it's like, it's, you have all these visual elements in the video of all the different courses of food that they have. Or like, I think there was like churros that like dipped them in like the like chocolate or whatever. And like this video is like so sensual, it's weird. Where I'm like, I know it's tacos and nachos. <laughs> did you have to but like, it's like oh, did this you is lean into it? She was like, uh, you know, yeah. Usher song, or did you like? Oh, uh, like, should like, have, right? Oh, <laughs> it's an old school Usher. Welcome back to the Breed Out Podcast. Uh, I'm your host Richie Tavo, and this is Evan Blum, not Bloom. Uh, joined tonight by the entity, the food influencer of the year from Philadelphia, Josh Eats Philly. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Um, so we're going to kind of jump right into this conversation. We've been talking yeah. for the last 45 minutes basically yeah. on the podcast outside the studio. Um, so let's just kind of keep going with what we're talking about, just millennials. Yeah, and millennials, Gen Z. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll introduce myself a little bit just to get started. So Josh Eats Philly. Um, I started... On Instagram, I opened my account in 2011 um, as a very young person, and I did what everyone else was doing back in 2011, opening an Instagram account, posting really crappy photos with really bad filters. <laughs> um, and it's just so funny to see where things have come to today versus where it was back then. Because back then it was all of, you know, these super grainy photos, everything was super emo, you know, using like black and white filters. It's like, oh, let me get a cup of coffee and, you know, with the latte art, take like a overhead picture and put like a weird filter and then put like some song lyrics as the caption because that's what we just did back then. Hashtag coffee. Hashtag coffee, right? <laughs> Hashtag latte art. And then even when, you know, when you talk about things like beer, you know, you go to a brewery and you get like this really awkward angle of the brewery and you're like, this is my photo. This is so artistic because I feel like on Instagram side, everyone thought we were artists because, you know, mm -hmm. why not? Like that's what we all thought was going on with artists and photographers or whatever. So for me, like when it comes to the concept of influencing, I would not consider myself an influencer whatsoever back then. Like I'm just another kid on the street taking photos just like everyone else, putting them on Instagram, really into the void. Cause like, I mean, I barely had any followers. I had like some friends from kindergarten following me and just some just random people. Days, just shooting stuff off. <laughs> like, just shoot it out there. It's like, okay, we'll see what happens. Um, but it's funny. So, you know, I was doing it for a while, just like as a hobby. And you know, my brother, said to me like hey did you know people do like food vlogging like as an occupation i'm like what are you even talking about and this is like back in 2015 uh 2014 2015 2016 um and he would sh share with me videos from like devour power in new york city and mm -hmm. they're like doing these like pictures of like these massive sandwiches or like cookies or this or that that was like super over the top and just super crazy and then he'd share with me videos from like places in Miami or Los Angeles and these like Instagram accounts for these people that were, I guess, influencers. But again, back then we didn't really have like the language for it. It's just yep. like, oh, these people are just like, I guess, food bloggers. Like, I don't know. Like they're just taking all these crazy pictures. You eat 8,000 calories a day. Exactly. <laughs> and it, again, like I feel like that era of Instagram, like that 2015, 2016, Everything was 10,000 calories. Everything was super over the top. Like, no one cares about the health. It was the man versus food era. It was just Boom. like, how exactly. much food can you get? Exactly. It's like, what's the most over the top burger that you can create, right? So my brother's like, why don't you just do the same thing in Philly? Like, you know, there's great places in Philly that are obviously doing great things. And like, no one's doing that type of food porn. Mm -hmm. So you should try it. And there were other food bloggers out there. You know, they were, you know, taking pictures, doing the thing. But I was like, yeah, let, let me try to do these, like, kind of more over-the-top photos. These things are going to, like, when the person t looks at it, it's going to, like, grab their attention. Yeah. So, you know, one of my first photos from, like, that era of Instagram, um, I went to an ice cream shop called Weckerly's, um, which is still in business now, thank goodness, because um, they were about to close. They're back in business. It's all good. They do these ice creams where it's like you have an ice cream cone with two scoops of ice cream and an ice cream sandwich on top of it. So it's like this massive, crazy, wild thing. And I was like, yeah, let me just throw that on Instagram and see what happens. So all of a sudden I go from like getting, you know, I don't know, like 10, 20 likes to like, I got like 500 likes. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Like people yeah. actually want to see this stuff. So I start like, you know, quasi doing research. Like, okay, how can I find like these places that are already doing really cool things in Philly and featuring those places and seeing if I can get a photo and go into these places. Um, a lot of what I would do, I would like even just go to happy hours at different places because it was an easy way to get like a lot of food for like a low amount of money, you know, get a beer, get some wings, put it on Instagram, like, oh man, this place is doing like a $3, you know, wing special for happy hour, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's just like a combination of like those over the top places, you know, doing like those little happy hours and just like posting more and more and more and more and more. 
And it just became a snowball effect where people started finding me. I see people in my comments, they're like tagging their friends. I'm like, that's weird. Um, people are DMing me like, oh my God, I see you're all, you're all over the city. You know, what's the best place in Fishtown? What's the place, place in Nord of Liberties or whatever? So I'm like, man, people actually care what I'm saying? This is weird. Like, and it's like, at that point, I'm like, well, maybe this is like influence. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm just like talking, out here taking pictures, but yeah, people actually care. Yeah, the verbiage of like influencer that didn't exist back then. Like, yeah, even the like, verbiage of Instagrammable, where like everyone, exactly. every business owners now have to like make things that are Instagrammable. Instagrammable. Yeah. And you're yeah. taking like this like very cool looking ice cream sandwich or right. these happy hour things and just like, yeah, I'm like throwing it out on social media, like yeah. whatever. And it's like, I think back then when people thought of the word influencer, they thought of like Kim Kardashian. Yes. And that has all the connotations. For some positive, a lot negative, you know, whatever. So it's like, I never saw myself as that. Like, I wasn't like posting to like promote a product. In my mind, I didn't think I was doing that, right? But that's actually what was happening. You know, mm -hmm. I'm posting a place and people are actually going. You were that showcasing was like such small a foreign businesses, concept. You know? Right. Kim Kardashian was like showcasing her. Her, you, her, yeah. her <laughs> assets. Her assets. That's the word. Yeah, so she showcases something else. Or even like, I mean, she's a good example though because then she has all these like products and stuff she's advertising. But like when I started, I didn't see it in that. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, I'm just going to different places. The first time I had like a paid partnership and I was like so hyped. I get an email from Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, what the what? Dunkin' Donuts is like emailing me? This and is were, crazy. And were you even looking for that? Or just no. kind of... And what year, what year was this? This was like 2016. 2016. Yeah, yeah. So it was a paid partnership. And guess how much Dunkin' paid me for my first paid partnership? If, okay, so going through some of this, I would imagine... Like a $25 gift card? I would imagine like 200 to $300. A $50 gift card. $50 gift card, that's crazy. And they had me tag it as a paid partnership on a fifty dollar gift card. But you oh probably did that in your life. I did it because I didn't know. Oh, you of course, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. That was like again, like there were so few of us, just even you know nationally, where like I wasn't asking someone, "Is this a fair deal from Dunkin' Donuts?" I was yeah. just like, "Oh, fifty bucks, free coffee, I'm <laughs> in." So like I'm out here taking pictures of Dunkin' Donuts coffee for fifty dollar gift card, thinking I was doing something, right? I'm like, this is awesome. And well, then, you probably you might have been back then. I mean, you were this was like yeah, you're saying like in Philly, there weren't other people doing it, so like yeah, maybe it sounds like you know, they kind of scammed you, but like- They did scam they me. You. And, <laughs> and they probably- They probably got a yeah. lot more value back then out of you doing yeah. that than if you were to take a picture even now, just doing yeah. it. Yeah. Because there's less people doing it. For sure, like it's so saturated now. And it's crazy to think about, because when I had done that, I did get people like, oh my God, Dunkin' Donuts reached out to you, me, to you? And I'm like, oh yeah, like that's crazy, right? Not realizing I got paid, 50, not even $50 cash, gift card. <laughs> so you know, after a while, I'm like, you know, just doing it and other brands are reaching out. And one thing I mentioned to you guys was like, the first like, I guess, beer brand to reach out to me was like Bud Light. And when Bud Light reached out, like I, you know, was just like, okay, cool, Bud Light, this is awesome. And they offered me an insane amount of money. And this was, again, earlier on, I would say this was like 2018 or something like that. So like I maybe had ten thousand followers at that point I don't know, and they offered me like an insane amount of money. It was just like what the what like what is going on? Yeah. And then that's when I think I was starting to start to realize I'm like this is real. Like you can actually monetize this. You can actually make money with these like different brand partnerships you can get. With it's almost like I mean you were just posting pictures and then right. they even when you say your friends were like, oh my God, you're getting paid by Duncan and like it was a bad deal. It right. was like legitimizes like, you know, these, exactly. these massive brands, these people that put, right. are thinking about marketing all the time, they're realizing mm, the value right. of you and it was almost like maybe it's a snowball effect. The yeah. value that you had. With yeah. Bud Lighter, like with a bigger brand, did you feel pressure for the yes. first time to then deliver? Yes. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, what, yeah, like, what did it, that feel like? So it was so hard because, well, honestly, I really shouldn't say this, but it was really hard to work with them Cause like I would send them content. They're like, we don't like it. We don't like it. Like Dang. they were also very picky. So I had mm -hmm. like reshoots and re-edits and this and that. And I was like, okay, this is like super stressful. But then at the, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, they're paying me. So I really can't say no. Right. And it was one of those things. It was like one of my first like really, really big gigs. I'm like, you know what? Let me just like suck it up and do it, you know, post it. And the funny thing is the post Wow, it did so well, bad. We, and I was so like, what the what? Like I put less effort into yeah. it, all these reshoots, and then they approved it and they flopped. And I was like so nervous because I'm thinking, man, like the post didn't even do well. Like, are they even gonna pay me? And they paid me. I was like, okay, that's weird. But it's yeah. one of those things, like when you do these like paid partnerships, you never know what's gonna happen. We mm -hmm. talk about this all the time that like the people that are successful, like they're chasing all these trends and they're trying to follow follow other mm -hmm. people. And the people that are successful, like they they have a higher quality product than everybody else but they're also 
they're doing stuff on their own accord, you know, like they're right. following exactly what they want to do. Exactly. So you, at this time, you're building up your brand as Josh Eats Pill. You were like creating your style so them for them to come in and like do something different than your yes. style. Yes. Everybody good. looks at it and just like, this is clearly a paid advertisement. This is exactly. jo- not Josh Eats Philly. It doesn't feel authentic. Doing this. Mm-hmm. this is like, clearly Bud Light came in and said like, right. post these pictures and we'll pay you. It's so funny you say that because at the time I'm like, if, if they wanted it to be so specific, they should just bought an ad. Like, exactly. They just like, yeah. you know, got a Facebook ad, you know, done the whole thing. Cause I mean, that's, into the, that's what it ended up looking like. And it's so funny you say that because it's something I think about when it comes to like authenticity. So, you know, when we're thinking about like social media from like five, six, seven years ago, a lot of these brands didn't understand social media. They thought they did because they were like, we're going to reach out to an influencer, but they were so specific in what they wanted. It's like, you know, you may as well just hire an ad agency to create an ad if that's what you want. If you want to work with an influencer, you need to let that person, you know, use their voice and share their voice because if they don't and it looks like an ad, it's going to flop. So it's like that big, was... big marketing trying to do grill marketing. Exactly. Like if it, exactly. if it's grill marketing, it has to look and feel and truly be grill marketing. Right. Right. A hundred percent. And it's one of those things where I feel like that's something I personally have learned just over the course of this time. And like, you know, I still obviously do like pay partnerships and ads, but I want them to look like very authentic. I want them to look very mm-hmm. um, native to my it's content. It's a Josh Eats Philly ad. It's not exactly. just a photo right. you're posting. Exactly, exactly. So like recently um, I got to work with McDonald's, which is crazy to think about. Like yeah, those were cool. Those are right. cool videos. You're putting out some cool right. videos with McDonald's. I too. know, isn't it wild? I got yeah. people back onto McDonald's, right? <laughs> this case, like it's one of those things. Imagine that's different than a $50 McDonald's gift card now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, McDonald's is really good. But it's crazy. Like when they first reached out to me, it was like via a DM. I gave the DM for McDonald's corporate account with the blue check and everything. I had to like pinch myself. It's like one of those things that's so aspirational. Like, I remember, what was it? Yeah, asked about Cactus Jack. Oh, I should have, right? <laughs> but it was like, it was crazy because for me, like I, as a kid, you know, you're like five years old, you know, you're with your parents, you drive by McDonald's, like, mom, I'm going to go to McDonald's. It's like, do you have McDonald's money? And it's like, well, no, I don't. Um, and now it's like looking forward to, okay, I'm actually doing ads for McDonald's. Yeah. And the funny thing is like, you would think a company as big as McDonald's would be super strict. They're actually super open to like whatever content I want to do. And like my McDonald's ads have done so well. Like I had one get like two or 3000 likes and I was even surprised. I'm like, this yeah. is an ad. People have to see that, but it was like engaging content that looked native to the page. So mm-hmm. even when it comes to like, you know, well, McDonald's is so good at marketing, you know, like they are definitely smart they get enough it. to realize yeah. like same thing that you're thinking and you're saying, it's like, right. they need to be engaged with what you're doing. Right. They don't want you to like wear like a Ronald McDonald hat and be like, you should eat a cheeseburger. It's yeah. like, they know that people don't want to see that. Another thing too with their like food, it's the same everywhere you go, right? So I think for them it's just like, well, how do we communicate something where we're like getting, you know, the voice of that person into, you know, the conversation? And I think that's the biggest thing with marketing. And it's like through this whole like journey of Josh Eats, it's like I've learned so much about myself, obviously, but I've learned so much even about like marketing and social media and things like that. And it's like I've kind of like learned the hard way because I started so early. So it's like mm-hmm. I learned from a lot of flops, like that Duncan post that did terrible or like, you know, the Bud Light post that did terrible. It's like, okay, you know, now I know number one what my followers want to see, but then also just like what what's engaging for people, just generally speaking. Um, and I think that that's just such an important thing, even when we talk about like any type of marketing or even like for restaurants that are thinking about social media, breweries thinking about social media. It's like, how do you create engaging content? How do you essentially tell a story to communicate with your audience? How do you even find your audience? I mean, that that's like, like the like thing ad, too, right? You know, you're trying right. to tell them so like the customers can actually connect. So the same thing that you're like all these other ones, like they, they aren't listening to it in flops because people instantly perceive it as an ad. They exactly. Exactly. Connecting to them. Exactly. And something unique because thing I see all the time is there are how many thousands of restaurants oh God, all yeah. over. If you're not doing something a little bit different than the, the one next door, like what sets you apart from everybody else? It's so hard. And that's why I made that comment of like, it's not even just like knowing your audience. Sometimes you don't have one. Like maybe mm-hmm. you're a new restaurant. Like how do you find your audience? How do you find your people? You know? And it's like, I think it all comes down to storytelling. Like what story is being told? And it's something that I think you guys, excuse me, do such a good job through this podcast. And even with what you guys do with Brew That is like getting the brewer stories out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just something we want to show that uniqueness from each place because from an outside view of not being 
in the craft beer industry, I was just so fascinated by how unique each place was. And it just, I've mentioned this before, but it's something that was never captured on social media to the extent that I really think it could be. Um, and then with that, it's how do you do that in a, in a like, in a fun way that brings everybody together and shows their authentic brand. Right. And, and how do you make it engaging and like captivating? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think this kind of like ties us back to what we started with, like generation, millennials, Gen Z, like how do we get everyone engaged to these topics, right? You know, one thing that I think about, you know, kind of with this thing and something that you guys have even said here on the podcast, you know, when it comes to like Gen Z and millennials, I know for me and my friends, like we love to support places that are like hyper local or that have like a really cool story, right? And it's like, I think if we can, like as an industry, especially here in Philly, really showcase that that's really what's going to make a difference when it gets when it comes to engagement from like younger generations like you know you put out a video about like hey you know i'm from the neighborhood or hey you know i'm part of the neighborhood i'm part of the community and i want to do something different so much more engaging than just like hey here's a can you know beer unless it's the arts from a local artist and people love that but if it's just like a can it's like you gotta like find a way to like tell your story in a way that's engaging and like connects people with the story Mm -hmm. Yeah, Philly specifically. I think yeah. Philly is all about like the culture of the food scene here, the culture of everything here. Is, for like, sure, for sure. Blue collar, local, your neighborhood bar, the dive bar. It's like everything is about local and your your like your neighborhood spots. Right. So like showcasing that anywhere is important, but I think in Philly is like even that much more important. And it gets people so engaged. And it's funny, like when I think about what I do, right? Um, you know, people ask me like, oh, you know for the videos that I do, right? Like what are like the most engaged videos that I do? And it's whenever I'm doing like a very hyper-local restaurant, like a mm. family-owned restaurant, something where it's like the restaurant has a compelling story. So it's like, you know, there are restaurants out there that's like, hey, you know, I decided to open in kind of like a more up-and-coming neighborhood. And I'm like one of the first here. And, you know, mm -hmm. this is my story. This is my family business. And those are the posts that get the most engagement. And you know, when I look at my own like analytics and insights, like the people that are engaging is people in that like 18 to 25, like Gen Z, they're just like so hype, but it's like, man, like this place is local. These people have a really good story and then they share it with their friends, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think when it comes to storytelling, like that's so important, especially here in Philly, because people want to see like their neighbors succeed. Like people want to see like, you know, like the, it's like kind of like David and Goliath. Like people want to see like the little guys succeed. And with Philadelphia specifically being such like a blue collar city where people see themselves in these restaurant owners, they want to see those places succeed. They want to support those places. So it's important to me, especially now that I have like gotten this platform, because it's one of those things where I didn't intentionally decide, you know, 13 years ago to become an influencer, but here we are, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, I feel like because I have this platform now, I want to do what I can in my power to help spotlight these places. Um, whether it is like a local brewery or a local restaurant, like kind of showcase these like smaller stories and smaller um, places to give them that amplification. And I think like they actually can do that now. You know, 15 years ago, social media wasn't a thing. So like getting print sure. ads out there on newspapers or on TV, like might not have been possible for like a small place, but a small business or brewery or restaurant Absolutely. is able to reach out to an influencer and it's a lot easier. Like you can like directly talk to people through video or audio, through podcast, anything, and tell exactly what your story is. That is such a good point. Like honestly, like this wasn't even right. possible, you know? Yeah, you're right. It's like in a way, social media um, made a level playing field, exactly. right? Because mm -hmm. like you think 20 years ago, like especially like when we were all kids, right? You oh, know, yeah. you're little kid Saturday morning, you're watching like cartoons or something like that you see ads for like Happy Meals or Wendy's or this or that. And the only thing that you're really fed is the big brands because they have like those massive marketing like Bud budgets. Bud Light reached out to you. you right. Like, 20 years ago, their marketing team, they're paying advertising agencies like $20 million for one ad. Do you think, you know, little mom and pop shop down the street can pay yep. somebody $20 million for TV ad? That's not possible. But they're reaching out to you the same way that local breweries are now reaching out to you. And right. you guys are both... Kind of using the same exact that's so cool i never thought of it that way i'm like you're like kind of like making me think of this in a really different way which is cool because you're right like now the playing field's level so like mm -hmm. you could be a mom and pop shop that opened yesterday right no marketing budget you know you just got your you know business together you just opened 
and you could have someone like myself come through and then you're amplified out to like 100,000 people. And it's like back in the day that wasn't even possible. And the story that you're telling to like this mom and pop shop is like even more compelling because like you're showing what it truly is. So these small places almost have like a leg up on kind of yeah. the larger brands because the larger brands almost have to spin themselves in some sort of way of like either like angle themselves on like you want this product for this specific reason or trying to act smaller and trying to like act like more creative or yeah. like more nimble like the smaller guys. So the smaller people kind of, you know, that's truly who they are. I have a beer related question for you on this topic. So. So on this topic, because one thing I feel like we're seeing industry-wide is you have these massive breweries buying all these smaller breweries. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Every, this isn't just now. It's like, yeah. this, the last, you know, probably 30 years, like every five years, it's just like expands and contrasts. It's just like mm -hmm. a lot of smaller brands open up and then, you know, either the economy gets bad. So it's like people that are kind of overextended need to like consolidate. Or uh, like 2015, when all the con uh, the craft breweries started to get buy bought out, it was like the larger brands thought that they could like excuse me steal market share from you know the craft brands by just buying them. Right. Because so it's like yeah. it is happening now. People are buying each other, but it's just like the ebbs and flows of the industry. For sure. Because I feel like that's the same point you're making. It's like these bigger brands, whether it's food or beverage, that want to make themselves look smaller. They're like <laughs> and, a and, it, and it totally right. flopped in 2015. Yeah. The larger brands. You know, for some people, it helped because they were able to kind of like consolidate their you know supply chain and you know get deals on like buying like raw materials. So like it did help kind of the the, the regional breweries that came together. But the the larger brands like Anheuser Busch that went out and just bought uh, breweries. I think they bought they bought Ballast Point for one point two billion dollars. Wow! And wow. then they sold it for like thirty million dollars three years wow. later, something like that. It oh was and there gosh. was it wasn't just Ballast Point. There was lots of other breweries like that across the country where they were selling like you know 30 40 50 times their value and it's just like they but the instant they got sold the customer like realized that they were now Anheuser Busch and like Anheuser Busch like didn't see that like they couldn't then keep doing that you know like people truly were buying the craft brands because they were small local brands it wasn't just because of the flavor of the craft beer yeah so um I feel like also because I talk to my friends about yeah. this stuff. I feel like millennials and Gen Z, we just have such a um, aversion to like that type of thing where it's like, oh man, this is like Anheuser-Busch now. Like people are especially like super into craft beer, well, right? Well, the world is so connected now right. with like, social media that like yeah. you can see through all this stuff. It's not like you're just getting fed stuff on TV. It's like right. mm -hmm. everyone knows everything that's happening. The, at the, in, the, the information is there. So like right. it's basically everything is transparent. So you can't hide something or like pretend something isn't real. Like it, the truth is going to get out eventually, and it's just and it gets know. out like so fast now because it it's does. Like the moment it happens, you're like, oh, did you know like X Y Z brands like not local anymore? And mm -hmm. you know when we think about the numbers, because one thing you guys talk about the podcast, like you know all these news articles are out there about like Gen Z's like dying less craft beer, like this this or that, and it's just like. I wonder if some of it's that type of stuff where it's like, you know, you have things that are like craft beer, but they're not local. Yeah, where's the article saying that yeah. like, well, 60% of the breweries out there are still doing the majority of their media on Facebook. Like, Well, there's that part. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> you guys aren't seeing connection here. You know, like, yeah, yeah. like, no wonder people that are only on TikTok are not buying your beer that's only on Facebook. It's like, you guys just aren't talking to the right people. Right, so no. like, you're not getting the message out. Exactly. That's so true too. Because it's like it's a combination where you have the you have these massive brands buying the smaller brands and trying to like make it cool and it's like we see through that like we're not doing that. Then you have these smaller brands that are out here doing the right thing, doing good work, but then we're not getting the information because we don't see it. Like they're not speaking to us because they're not on the platform. Exactly, at all. There's, a, yeah. there's a middle ground that right. you know, I think everyone you know I think people are starting to realize it now. But uh, you know with people like Brudat, yes. like they're they're helping these smaller places kind of like yeah. get back to that center point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, it's about being an educator and I'm sure, you, and I'm curious to hear like how you dealt with a lot of that during the beginning of your Josh Eats Philly yeah, as well. I but. think, yeah, you guys have probably very similar stories because restaurants kind of adapted mm -hmm. or adopted like the influencer stuff, I think well before we right. did. So it's almost like you're like five, 10 years before them trying to like I teach agree. These, mm -hmm. these brands like you know, this matters. You need to get in front of these people because this is your target audience. Absolutely. I agree. And it's like, I would say we're probably like three to five years ahead in that sense because, 
even when we talk about like smaller breweries, I, even with the things I've done, it's like rarely worked with breweries. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of it is just because it's a, um, a lack of understanding of how do we work with this or how do we, um, you know, take advantage of this tool. Mm -hmm. That's what social media is. It's a tool. It's Absolutely. a great marketing tool, right? And I think there's just so much um, misunderstanding when it comes to, to social media. Like, how do we use this to essentially get people in the door? Um, an, something that's been hard just on the restaurant side is like ROI, like the return on investment, right? So it's like, okay, you know, we're gonna bring you in, you're gonna do X, Y, Z, and you know, afterward, what's gonna happen? But you know, at the end of the day, it's not even all about like, okay, Josh comes in, then the next day, like, you know, we're gonna sell a thousand, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, you know, all of a sudden business is gonna go up a thousand percent or something crazy. And it, it's not that it doesn't happen, it can happen, but it's like, it's not necessarily about that. It's about sure. getting the message out to people because some people are gonna like, like the picture, save the picture, share it with their friend. And then it's gonna be on their list of, okay, we're gonna go there in like three to six months. Like yep. it's not always like an instant thing. And the communicating that to businesses, yeah. like it's not gonna always be like, uh, you know, an instant effect of like, okay, we got social media here, so tomorrow, mm -hmm. that's our day. It's like sometimes it happens, it's sometimes all, it doesn't. Yeah, people, there's ebbs and flows. They see that you're involved, and subconsciously they're realizing that like this business understands mm -hmm. the target customer they're going after is my same age. So I want to go there because probably other people my age are going there. People want to see, see themselves, somebody, yeah. You know, not being involved with something like that. I'm like, they clearly don't understand it. So if I go there, it's probably going to be more the same thing where they just don't understand. Yep. They're not connected. It's not my type of people that are going to this place. And I, I think something I see in marketing and Cole is always preaching this is marketing has touch points and it's something that local businesses really have never had the opportunity to. But with social media, you have those marketing touch points because then you could see this business on Josh Eats Philly and then you happen to walk by this business. You're like, I just saw this place. I just remember, right, right. And it's, oh, I saw this. I'm going to go there. So it's hard in certain cases. It is hard to show ROI, but if you get the message out there enough or, and, and, and the way that I put it out in breweries is these touch points of seeing your product on Brewdad and then, I don't know, going to a beer store and seeing the product on the shelf. It's that same exact concept. It's also there forever. I mean, like back in the For day, sure. you put out like a print ad in like a newspaper that print ad is gone in one day. As yeah. much as like social yeah. media seems like it's there and, there and gone in a flash because it's out of your feed, you know, you can go back and look at your post from five years ago and it's, it's still, still there. there. And this business that you post about can keep resharing that forever and ever and it's always going to be there. Where they right. can't do that with a TV ad or a post or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's right. like, it's very instantaneous, but it's also permanent. I agree, like a million percent. And I think another thing too, kind of on the topic is, you know, one thing that we're also educating is, you know, the, sometimes it's about the cool factor, which is a weird thing to say, but it's true. Like, it's like, okay, have you ever gone into a restaurant? Because this actually happened to me this week. I'm not going to name the place. I walked into a restaurant where everyone in there was like 60 to 70 to 80 years old. Like, I was more than half the age of everyone in there. And, you know, I looked at it. I was like, oh, the food's probably good, but do I even want to be here? I don't know, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, when you go into places like that, like, you know, maybe you'll like get a drink, maybe you'll get a beer, but you're probably not going to hang out. You're probably not going to even tell your friends about the place, right? You're going to be like, oh, it was kind of weird. Um, versus you go into a place and you see a lot of people that look like they could be your peers in there. Mm -hmm. It changes your percep perception of a place, your perspective. And then you're going to be like, okay, when my friends are in town, we're going to go to this place. Or my friends in fear that may not have been here, we're going to go to this place. Like you have to see yourself in these places. So even if it's just on the context of social media, they see you going to a brewery and you feature it on Brew Dad, they're like, oh man, you guys are pretty cool. I like their podcast. I'm gonna go to that brewery. Or they see Josh going to a place, it's like, oh yeah, you know, Josh is like kind of cool, I guess, like maybe. Um, I should go to that place because Josh was just there, you know? And it's like, I think it does have an impact, but it's not always, again, immediate. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, you might have someone go in, they're like, oh, this is kind of cool. And they'll tell other friends about it. Like, it was so funny, um, last week I was, walking in Rittenhouse Square and like uh, a couple friends came up and uh, just we ran into each other, you know, randomly, whatever. And they're like, oh man, have you been to this bar in Fishtown? And I was like, oh yeah, what is it? Um, next of kin, it's so cool, it's so fun. Um, and the reason that they love this bar was like, they said the music was really good. And then everyone there said like super cool, super chill, like whatever. 
But it's like things like that. The word of mouth is so real where it's like, okay, you go to a place, you have really positive experience. You see people that look like you there. You see, you know, you have, um, you know, good music, good vibes. Then you start talking about it. And then that could go from like essentially a snowball effect of like, you know, maybe you have one person go and that one person tells three people that three people throw ton people and like so on and so forth. So that's the way I try to position it, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, I get like, okay, maybe tomorrow things aren't going to blow up. But if we can start getting the, um, the word out about what you're doing, it's going to have long-term ripple effects. You mm -hmm. also, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you are cool. Like, I talk about the, uh, the <laughs> entity. Being a little humble, being a little humble. The entity of Josh Eats Philly, like, what I'm talking about is like you are on the news. Like you can present yourself very well. Like you're very charismatic. So like when people see you next to a brand, like part of it is the images you're putting on the internet. But also it's like it's you, it's Josh Eats Philly. Yeah putting yourself next to these brands. So like people see that on the internet yeah. and they kind of want you to be a part of it. And it's still it, crazy to me. That's what I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it, it's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. like awkward to like kind of say that like, like oh, sure. to a person, <laughs> but it's like, you know, when they, when people try to do social media by themselves, sometimes they can't do that. You know, it so comes hard. out, we were talking about this earlier, like it looks like a high school, you know, video project. High school production. Yeah, yeah, it looks this terrible. Is, yeah. So, like, maybe they understand that, like, they need to get involved with social media, but, like, people like you and Brudak can step in and, like, listen, like, we can take this over right. from, from, like, so you guys don't have to, like, put out this crappy product. Like, we can make your product look cool. We can put, present it, like, next to cool looking people, and we can show people on the internet that, you know, this is a cool, fun place to be. So that when they show up, they're expecting, you know, yeah. people that you're talking about. Yeah, and I love that you guys are doing that too. And I feel like even with the podcast, because I said, I listen to every episode. I am a super fan of this podcast. Definitely recommend Brudat. Clip it. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Um, but no, seriously, like, I love what you guys are doing because you're interviewing people that have been in the industry for decades, right? And you're getting them even onto this platform of podcasting, which is another, like, huge platform for people. Um, I myself huge fan of podcasts. Like I listen to podcasts all the time. Um, one thing people don't realize, like for me to edit a video takes like you know two to four hours, mm -hmm. some like three to four hours, whatever to edit a video. I'll like just listen to podcasts the entire time I'm editing, and I think that's just something that's so common for millennials and Gen Z, where it's like you know whether if we're cleaning our house, if we're going on a run, if we're exercising, like you know we're like listening to podcasts, we're getting educated, but we're also kind of like getting entertainment, you know, from these types of things. And I think even this platform is so important when it comes to like sharing stories. And you get more of a story on the podcast than you get from like a 10 second like Instagram or TikTok. Download the Let's Rally app to find fun and write up things to do in and around Philly. Let's Rally plans your day or night for you. Just tell the app how many people you have in your party and how far you're willing to go. You can also add filters like bars, experiences, and food, and the app will create a plan for you instantly. Unthink the day and download Let's Rally. Absolutely. Can I, can I ask you a question real quick? For sure. So, the Lit Brothers. Go you for it. Um, are you guys starting a podcast? So, great question. We're <laughs> doing a podcast episode that will be airing soon. We're going to record on February 7th. I think it's going to air probably like the following week. But Erebus has a podcast. He's had it for years. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he's a mm -hmm. huge podcaster. I myself have thought about starting a podcast because everyone says I should. And I'm always like, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about for 45 minutes weekly. Like what? Um, but Argus is really good at it. So we're going to do an episode <laughs> together. So, you know, it'll be kind of like this, like interview style. We'll kind of like chat or whatever, which will be fun. But I don't know if I have the um, enough to talk about. Because one person that said I should start a podcast was like, oh, just talk about all the restaurants you've been to. I'm like, I could do that. Yeah. I totally could. But I'm like, do I talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, or just the good? Like, how does that work? Because I also don't want like the podcast to just be like. I mean, it's also just your personality. Like, you talk about the cool guys. Like, you you four walk into a bar. Like, I oh for sure. Looked up you guys a little bit. It's just like how to start a little like uh, happy a boys hour group. group. Boys yeah. group was just like you guys four walk in. It clearly looks like a cool thing. So right. like, get you guys on a podcast together. It's like that right. means you guys are talking about the local stuff. That's for sure. cool. It's like. I think that, you know, it's, there's huge value to it. So we're going to be at the Hard Rock Cafe doing like a podcast recording. But it's kind of the whole point you made. Like for the Hard Rock, this is huge for them. Yeah. They're like, oh, you got you know, this cool group of guys that are doing a live recording of a podcast. And I'm like, I feel like I'm just kind of there for it. I'm like, you know, I'm honestly hyped to be with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm the super fan at that point. <laughs> but, um, you know, for me, it's just still so funny because 
obviously I do Joshi's Philly. I do all the food stuff. So, you know, people, I guess, see me as a, um, uh, a respected voice in the food scene. And I, I'll take it, you know, whatever. I eat at a lot of restaurants. But I just <laughs> feel like I'm, I don't know, like I love food so much. It's hard for me to see anything like that. Like, I think some people are like, oh, are you like a food critic? And I'm like, yeah, wouldn't you call myself like, a critic. You're just yeah, like, exactly. Up. Yeah, and I think for me too, it's like, it's kind of twofold. Where number one, like the places I'm working with are all mostly so small. Like other than McDonald's. But like the small businesses I'm working with are so small. It's like I would never want to say anything negative anyway. And I want to just showcase the good that they're doing. So let's say there's like one dish that comes out and it's like a little off. I would rather talk to the owner and say, hey, you know, let's talk for a second. Um, this dish, you know, could use some improvement, whatever. Then, you know, go on to Yelp, Google, or Instagram and say, everything was good except for this one thing. Like, I'd rather, like, have a conversation because hey, everyone wants to improve. Like, nobody wants to, like, put out crappy products or whatever. So that's how I've always seen what I do. So that's why when people are like, oh, are you, like, a food critic? You know, you're, like, um... You know, you're like the food guy. And I'm like, I, I'll take food guy, but I wouldn't call myself a critic because, you know, even though like, you know, even if I were to taste something I don't like, especially with the smaller places, I'd rather like give them encouragement, feedback, and like point them in the right direction and be like, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, this is really bad. Yeah. Have you ever talked to like Craig O'Ban or like any of the other food no, influencers? No, it's funny. I have not. So we follow each other on Instagram. Yeah. Um, great guy. But no, we've never actually like met in person or done anything because he is very like incognito when he goes to restaurants. I mean, I, like he everyone has knows no information is. on the internet. Yeah, right. But it's so funny. Like, he doesn't everyone, have a photo there. No, yeah. it's like everyone knows who he is at this point. But he's like he goes into restaurants incognito. I feel like even though we follow each other on Instagram, I think even if he were to like see me, I don't know if it would be like a you know open invitation like oh hi my name is just because I think he wants to keep some um, anonymity out there, right? I, sure. I respect it, you know. I put my face out there and it's like, you know, once you take the genie out of the box, you can't put it back in. Exactly. So I'm like, well, I'm out here now. Yeah. So I'm on TV, I suppose. So I guess <laughs> yeah, I can't go back to being an artist. Yeah, but even there, even his Instagram, it's not just like being a critic. Like I think a lot of stuff that he does, like he kind of showcases people kind of the same way that you, you're doing as well. He does, yeah. Um, and I don't, I mean, he was obviously doing food critic stuff long before you started uh, Yeah, I think this. probably before we were born. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but, you, but you probably definitely embraced, you know, not him specifically, but you probably definitely embraced, you know, the whole showcasing stuff the on style. social media yeah. and that style probably well before a lot of these people. And they kind of saw it, like, recognized that, like, right. this is truly, you know, this matters. And I think because of the way I do it, it's been such a benefit to small businesses. And I think so many of them want that now because they're like, and they, I mean, they're just, critics because they love the industry. They're not critics because yeah. they hate it, and like they want to see everyone thrive as well. Right, right. But I feel like um, this actually ties into what you were saying too about like education, right? Um, or even like where the brewery scene is versus the restaurant scene. I think because restaurants have seen what I do, they want more of that, mm -hmm. you know. And I think for breweries, as they see what you're doing, they're going to be like, I want more of that, or I want that at my brewery, right? So it's like, you know, for the restaurants that I've been to, like, they have succeeded. So, you know, I, you know, I made the talk of ROI. That was definitely harder earlier on, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're talking, like, 2019 or even 2020 during the pandemic when restaurants were, you know, it was really hard. And, like, ROI was even more important. But, you know, as my platform has grown, like, it's, I don't want to say it's a guaranteed thing because I never make guarantees, but... So many places I go to, like literally they do get immediate results. So like mm -hmm. one restaurant I went to a couple of weeks ago, I went, posted, and then they had lines out the door, like literally right afterward. And I'm like, that's insane. Like to me, it's still crazy like that, I, that even happens. But she sent me a picture of literally lines out the door and her restaurant had been open for like six plus months. Wow. And the first six months was hard. Like it wasn't like it was a new restaurant that was super buzzy. It was like a restaurant that was open for six months and no one really knew about it. Yeah. And I came, like did a little post or whatever and then boom, lines out the door. And like I've heard the story over and over, especially more recently, like as the, my following has grown. So like there definitely are benefits and as like other restaurants have seen it, we're like, oh crap, like I want that. Like, you know, I want like lines out the door. I want like yeah. to sell out by noon or whatever. It's a, it's a word of mouth within the, the restaurant industry. Exactly. And they see what the impact is. It takes time, but I mean, you've been around for quite Too a while old. now. Yeah, I'm old so. now. It's like I just had a birthday, we were, but I'm not going to reveal how old I am. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this before. I mean, we're about the same age and it's yeah. like, you know, we're older than Evan. Yeah. But we're a lot younger than the the brewery owners or, right. or the restaurant owners, right? So and it's, it's like, like getting that connection between 
you know, the people that are partying every single night yeah. and the people in the businesses. Like, and there's there's no, sometimes there's we are no... the people partying every night. Exactly. <laughs> we, hey, hey, I, I feel like... I know, we, we got to like yeah. a little The nice yeah. mix. Yeah, it's a nice like, mix. We're in between. Right. Like, we belong in both groups right. where, like, it's hard for people from either group to kind of see the other the, the, the other person. Like, right. they, the people that own these places never grew up with social media. Exactly. The people that are spending all this money and partying every night... They don't know grew anything up besides with it. Your social media. Yeah, it's like millennials. We are that bridge generation, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like we are about our business. We can do what we have to do, but then we can party like crazy. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And it's so <laughs> cool because we. I feel like we can talk to like Gen Z, like someone yeah. that's in like 18 to 25. Like I feel like my content is so appealing to them. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. my TikTok is so appealing to them. But then someone that's like older, they might not understand it, but they, they see the numbers, they see the money, they understand the business yeah. aspect of it. So like, okay, I kind of get it. So it's like, I feel like millennials are such a bridge in that way. And it's so funny. I went to this one restaurant and this like older lady came up to me. Um, Cause she, I think, you know, she went through like my videos or whatever. Um, but she's like, oh, it was on your Facebook. I'm like, oh, I forgot I had a Facebook. <laughs> like, whatever. It's like, Joshie's Philly Facebook just reposts all the things yeah. automatically. Oh, yeah. I oh, forgot yeah. it existed. And I was like, oh, cool. Facebook. Love that. Um, she's like, I like your little commercials you do. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, those little trailers or whatever you call it. And I'm like, trailers. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I do. Commercials and trailers for restaurants. She's like, yeah. So, you know, she said it. It was funny. But then I'm like, it's actually kind of cool though. Like it is like a little 10 second ad I'm doing for these restaurants, essentially for like, for free for the most part. For yeah. a lot of so it's like, you know, I'm creating these like really high quality commercials where like, you know, 30 years ago, to your point, that would have been like a $20 million marketing agency creating the commercial and it's a versus now it's all on their iPhone. Now yeah. They're, just, yeah. they're literally DMing you, you show up and it's just like, it's a lot easier to deal you're with right. you where you're just like all in one editing, filming, right. decon, you are the content. Leveling the playing field, though. It's like not having to like figure out how to deal with the ad agency Mm -hmm. and then getting it on a TV show. It's Mm -hmm. like right, right. And it's so funny because it's like again, I never thought this until we kind of put this all together on the podcast. Like you know, we're leveling the playing field with what we're doing. Where it's like you know, again, it would have cost them millions to do this thirty years ago. Now it's like you bring in someone like me. I create an entire essentially commercial, which again, I would have never thought of it. But like trailers for restaurants, like it's like a movie trailer. Like, that would cost millions. I was like, boom, you kept someone do up on their phone. And for me, like originally when we, me and Cole started doing this, going to breweries, it, it felt very weird to us that we want to be taken seriously, but then we're also doing work on our phones. Yeah. And like, how does, how is that looked at by the owners or whoever's around you? I'm sure you've gotten so many looks oh my over God. the years. I can't Yo, even imagine. This could be a whole episode. <laughs> um, seriously. Um, yeah. Let me start with that. So, Five years ago was definitely when it was really bad. You know, I go in there, I felt like, hey, you know, whatever. They're like, what are you even doing? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm just taking photos, whatever, videos. Um, and then they would see the end result. They'd see the photo post. They'd be like, oh, actually, that's really cool. I'm like, yeah. But there was like, you know, I decided to buy a camera five years ago. Back when the Instagram was just photos, because I was, I got tired of like not being like taken seriously. So I started bringing a camera, you know, taking photos, like whatever. And it was cool. All of a sudden, like 2019 comes around and TikTok starts. And then my camera is literally worthless because everything became video. Because like TikTok was 2019, yeah, Reels was 2020. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's really no point. So I'm like back to using my phone. And I've even still, you know, to this day, even with restaurant you know, owners kind of know and quiet about what I do. Like, like, how do you do all that with your phone? I'm like, well, it's just, it is what it is. And honestly, even when I've had. IPhone? What? No, I do not. What is it? 14? This is the 14 Pro. I actually have some friends that upgraded to the 15 Pro. They said the camera is not as good. So I'm really? Like, yeah, like it's software. It's mm-hmm. the thing with like these Apple launches. It's always software where it's like, sometimes I like to wait for the software glitches to get fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, I do kind of want to get the new one, but like, the new one's very nice. I got. Have it? I just upgraded recently from the 10 to the 14. Well, that and it was night and day. It was yeah. insane. Oh, yeah, it yeah was that's like, a big difference. Well, I got a lot better yeah. taking pictures very quickly. Yeah, it's like now anybody can do it. And it's crazy because like five years ago, you're right. I think we're on the iPhone 10. The photos were fine, so it was kind of nice. I had my camera, and then people were like, "Oh, you're a professional." I'm like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Um, and it was like a camera. I got like a certified used camera from Canon. And it was a good camera or whatever, but like I wanted to kind of dip my toe into it. So I'm like, I'll just get like a certified whatever, you know, went to places with the camera. But now it's like I never take it out of the house just because like everything's video. And even when I work with like 
like major brands or like small restaurants, everybody wants video. Mm -hmm. So because of that, like I can take video with my camera, but the like image stabilization technology on like a DLSR camera, even the mirrorless camera is not as good as this, unless you have like a $3,000 Sony A7. Um, but my camera is not a $3,000 Sony A7. So I'm like, well, I can take video with it, but it's just not even worth my time. So I've been back on the phone. It's and also, it's just so it's funny. Your style at this point. So like, exactly. Again, That's, back yeah. to like the Joshi. You are Joshi. It's very right. like you have it's this very similar style on everything. Like everything. It's like very different. punchy, very bright, exactly. very colorful. How is changing yeah. from that photo time to then going to the videos? So hard. Um, I don't know if you because I know you did your research. I don't know if you went to my early TikToks from 2019. Did not scroll. No, you don't want to do that. It's so funny. <laughs> so I um I got onto TikTok. I feel like a year before everyone else, because I feel like everyone got on it in the pandemic, like March 2020. I was on it in 2019, and I had no clue what I was doing. I was just like, videos, music, fine. I just threw some crap together, yeah. threw it out there. My like early TikTok videos are way cringier than my early Instagram <laughs> photos. Because my early Instagram photos was at least like a vibe. Maybe not the best vibe, but a vibe. My TikTok videos was like, oh, you know, something like panning around with some crappy music. Or I would like try to jump on a trend. I don't know. Um, and this is again early on. Like I didn't even know what trends were. But I'd be like, oh, this sound is like trending. I'm going to just put this sound on like me pouring a drink. Because that makes sense. And it'd be like completely unrelated. Yeah, the just, trend chasing. I mean, we talk yeah. about trend chasing all the time. Like, right. no, stick to your brand. Stick to your brand. Exactly. And it's like, if you're gonna do a trend at least do it right i was not it was just <laughs> bad so i just remember like going back to like my old tiktoks they're all still out there you mean um, dances no something <laughs> i i said to myself day one no i'm dances. not doing dancing <laughs> but i would do like i wouldn't do but i would use like dance trend audio yeah. on my yeah content yeah because that made sense but i you know i was close to it because i was like man i need to go viral maybe i should just like suck it up do a dance and see what happens eat a cheeseburger afterwards i know right <laughs> i didn't do that though um but no my early videos were terrible so the transition from photo video was hard so i was in this weird point in 2019 where on Instagram, I was still just taking photos because um, Reels didn't exist yet, thanks. They came out in 2020. And on TikTok, I'm just like throwing some random crappy videos out there. So it's like I didn't fully transition into like now like almost full video content until 2020 because I'm like, well, Instagram has Reels and I know when it comes to any type of social media, you want to be an early adopter. So I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. let me just, you know, start doing this whole Reels thing. My early Reels were also terrible, but I kind of started to learn. I was like, you know, I need to like, showcase more of the restaurant. I need to like, you know, um, slow it down. Cause my early videos, and this was just kind of the TikTok thing was just so much more chaotic. We're just like, boom, 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 boom. Just like sensory overload. Yeah. And I thought that that's what you know, you're supposed to do. That's why I saw everyone else like on TikTok doing. Um, but now it's like a lot more to your, to the point I was making like a trailer or like a commercial. Mm -hmm. It's like everything comes full circle, right? Where I'm like, I feel like when you see some of my videos, it could be like an ad for a movie, not a real movie, obviously, but it's just like you see the pores, you see the dip shots, you kind of see like all this different edits and cuts. Or like if you're like watching like the Food Network and it's like the way that they showcase food, I kind of started doing that. There's a science behind it. Like it's you, a science behind you're it. You're not just randomly right. going there and taking videos. Like you have a I plan, used like, to. Yeah, exactly. But you same, know, like, same. Now this yeah. dish is sitting in front of you, French onion soup or whatever. Like how are you, you going like to present a cheese this? Bowl, right? Exactly. You have and a plan. It's yeah, well, and it, yeah, I have a plan now. It's so crazy because before I would aimlessly go, and this is even, I'd say even 2020, 2021, like aimlessly show up at a restaurant, like, crap, I have to like do a video, like, ah, do a chaotically, take videos and just like hope for the best, jam it together, post it out there and hope it does something. But now I do have a method to it where it's like, okay, to your point with French onion soup, it's like, okay, how can I make this French onion soup as sexy as possible. <laughs> um, and it's funny because I used to have that mindset with photos, I still do, um, where I would you know, try to make this photo like sexy or sexual or just like something that almost doesn't even look like food, it just is really like appetizing. So now I'm like, why? I should take that mindset and like put it to video too, right? So you, know, you do like the slow-mo pools, you do this, you do that, you see like the drip from the tacos. Like actually I did a video of um, a taqueria uh, that just opened called Hilo Taco really good recommend definitely go um and i did the video with like a lot of different effects and you'd see it through the course of the video so you'll see like these tacos but they're like so juicy they're like, dripping with like you know all the goodness 
and like the video starts with, like this taco that's dripping and then I do like dip shots of cheese bowls with nachos and it's like it's, you have all these visual elements in the video of all the different courses of food that they have or like I think there was like churros that so, like dipped them in like the like chocolate or whatever and like this video is like so sensual it's weird where, I, mean, I know it's tacos and nachos <laughs> did you have to but like, it's like oh did this you is lean little... into it and choose like a you know yeah. usher song or did you like uh, a, like, I should little... have right oh, <laughs> some old school usher yeah, yeah. right <laughs> I, um, another place I did something like that for um, this was like a year ago there was this new um, cocktail lounge that opened and um, they had like cocktails like the smoking cocktails <laughs> and stuff like that and I posted this video and someone comments like why is this video so sensual? Why is this video so sexy? I don't like it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you commented, and that was the goal. So, yeah. yeah. But it's like kind of getting that element onto videos and kind of like showcasing food in that type of way. Because, I mean, it just makes it that much more appetizing. It makes mm -hmm. it that much more like, um, well, it makes the video more engaging, but it makes you like want to go to that place. I mean, the, the hottest food trend right now for Instagram people is home chefs just trying to like, Blur the lines. Yeah. yeah, it's like shirt off. <laughs> yeah, like making muscles. Like, yeah, like what you're just making pasta with your shirt off. Like, right. Is that... or they like take a cucumber and eggplant. Yeah, like, sir. Yeah, know what you're doing with that. I don't know if I love it, but I watch the whole. They're video taking twice. that to the extreme. You know? Like you're like kind of leaning yeah. into that little bit. Like I mean, it's yeah. it's super popular because it worked for them. Yeah, like, it I've... does. And it's like again, I always try to do something that I feel like no one else in the city is doing. Yeah. So like. No less in Philly is doing videos like that. Mm -hmm. Watch me say that, then everyone will start doing that. Well, they it will. They're influencers. Because, yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's where it goes. The influencers. Yeah. You know? But it's one of those things where it's like, no one else is doing that. And I'm like, you know, I want to do that. I want to kind of yeah. like take it to the next level where, you know, you're showcasing a restaurant in such a way where people want to get, want to go. Because the restaurant itself seems cool and the food looks like so appetizing. You like have to have it. Yeah. I, I Getting back to some of the niche and yeah. that style, I, I have a buddy, Chef Tyler, uh, who does grilled cheese videos. And his the whole... Cheese will... and it And that's like the cheese pull is everything. And it's kind of crazy because... It is, yeah. He, he is able to really get out there. He has like 500,000 followers on show. every every platform. And I think he just hit a million on YouTube. Wow. And it's... Yeah, it's it's all grilled cheese style videos. Right. But it's it's the it's the money shot. Like it is <laughs> certainly a money shot. It's yeah. crazy. I will say too, like one thing Rick, uh, Richie said is like find your niche, right? Boom, like grilled cheese. And I mm -hmm. think having a tight niche is so good. I remember when I like branded my account as Josh Eats Philly. Um, I so I did it. And I was like, this is cool, whatever. But then I was like, shoot, like what if I don't ever? What if I don't stay in Philly? Like, well, is this going to be a bad thing down I the road? I would ask that. Like, yeah. do you only do Philly stuff? Do you ever do like Atlantic City? Or yeah, like... I do. Do it's funny. I'm going to Atlantic City this, tomorrow, actually, on Friday. So I do a lot down there. But it's just so funny because as I started growing, that's why I was getting more and more nervous. And like, I can't like change the name or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I like reserve Josh Eats NYC because there was a time in my life where I was like, well, I might move to New York. I might not. I don't know. Maybe it's just reserved yeah. just in case. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely selling in Philly now. I'm never going to leave. But it was just like one of those things I thought about. And I listened to your episode about Brew 1-5, which is <laughs> the potential name for this podcast. And I remember what you guys had said of like, you know, you don't want to, you know, pigeonhole yourself into one place. Yeah. So I was going so back and forth, at least for me on it. But now, like, as I've like kind of gotten more established, I think to Richie's point, like finding that dedicated niche and Philly is my niche. Philly in the suburbs, we'll call it. Um, I mean, it's it, it an works. enormous city. Yeah. Like, as much as like oh, you yeah. can grow yeah. and be like a national brand. I mean, I think you should have your own TV show. You like you oh, have that God. personality. Do not but, have that personality. But that's that's debatable. Like this you, is deba exactly, it's debatable. Yeah, <laughs> as big as you are in Philly, there's still so much. To, I mean, it's an enormous city. Mm -hmm. There's still so much to do. I think for me, like, it's Philadelphia and the Jersey Shore primarily. Which is Philly Junior. Philly Junior, especially yeah. if you're in like Wildwood. It's exactly. like, it's not yeah, Philly. Yeah. It's great, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I do, do, as far west, I'll go, I've been out to Lancaster, done a few things out there. Um, the Lancaster people are awesome, and all the food there is so good. Honestly. I mean, everything oh, food is like the, It's literally farm fresh. Yeah, like, literally every restaurant there is like farm to table. organic. It's right. like, great. They were doing farm to table before it was cool, you know? Mm -hmm. So I do like going out there, but... You know, recently um, I had the opportunity to go to Aruba, which was crazy. Yeah, right. Um, that was sick. It's absolutely sick. Josh so, Aruba. Right. So I actually <laughs> hashtagged it because I was like, why not here? 
But that's a really fun story. So I randomly get an email from this gentleman that said, hey, I work for the Aruba Tourism Bureau. I'm like, this has got to be spam. No way this is real. Um, so he's like, let's jump on like a Zoom call. I'm like, okay, a Zoom call. Because, you know, like, have you guys ever watched the TV show Catfish? Yeah. Yeah. Right. The funny thing with that show, and I don't want to go down in the rabbit hole, but like all those people would never get on camera because they were obviously all fake. They would never do phone calls. They would never do like, mm-hmm. you know, camera calls. So they're like, oh, the fact that this guy's asking for a Zoom call, you know, this little visitor Ruba thing, maybe it's real. Who mm-hmm. knows? So I email him back. I'm like, yeah, let's do like a Zoom call, like whatever. Let's figure this out. So I do a Zoom call with this guy. And I'm just like a real person. I'm like, oh, wow, this might be legit. So I, um, Look the guy up on LinkedIn, and then I see him like, okay, wait, no, he actually does work at this place. He's a real person, and his picture matched up. Which again, I guess it could have been a fake LinkedIn profile. I didn't think of that at the time, but that's not a here nor there. Sometimes <laughs> you just gotta take a leap of faith, right? So, like, we're setting this whole trip up, and this goes on for months. Like, and then and the, the fact that it was actually going for so long was another one reason that I was like, oh, I don't know if this is gonna happen. But we'll see. So they're like, okay, we just booked your flights. I'm like, okay. I look to see if these flights actually booked. This is a real plane. I don't know at this point. <laughs> um, and it was a real plane. I'm like, this might happen. That's a good I don't sign. know yet. Let's see. Um, you know, I get to the airport and like the ticket works. I'm like, okay, this might be real. They like booked the hotel like in Aruba. So I, you know, get to the hotel and I'm like, do you know who I am? Like, is my name in the registration or whatever? And they're like, oh yeah, we're so excited for you to be here. I'm like, what? Like, it didn't hit me that it was real until probably day three of the trip. I was like, wait, this is actually real. I'm actually here and in a hotel. Just, they had you just doing essentially your same content down there. Yeah, so, and actually that's a good story too. So I'm like, how did you even find me? So what the gentleman I had talked to on the phone, you know, before even going down the trip was like, the reason we found you and the reason why we wanted you to go is we saw what you're doing for small businesses in Philly and we didn't really see anything else like that, you know, as we've like been essentially looking all over the Northeast for people to go down wow. to Aruba. Yeah. So they're like, you know, one thing that you have in like these, you know, resort, Caribbean resorts is everyone just stays on the all-inclusive and never like leaves the all-inclusive, right? So they're like, you know, what we wanted to do is just have someone feature small businesses in Aruba and just showcase that like there's things to do outside the resorts. So like they're like literally scouring through, I'm assuming like hundreds of accounts at least, like throughout the you know country, like they're not just looking at Philly. And like of all the hundreds of accounts, I guess mine got to the top of the stack somehow. And they're like, no, we like really like the type of videos you're doing. Cause like you're doing hyper local, you know, super small business focus. And we want that type of video here. And I was like, that's a huge honor. Like, right. Because like, I'm like, these are like people from like, I'm sure like New York bloggers are looking at, of course, Philly bloggers yeah, and like yeah. other different regions are like, no, look, that's the video style we want. So went down there and like, I went all over the island, which was crazy. So, you know, I, you know, took uh, taxis like an hour away from like the resort area to like the middle of nowhere and ate some of the best food I've ever had. Like, Damn. and it's so funny because I told people like, oh, I might be going to Rio, but they're like, oh, the food sucks. Good luck with that. Yeah, they're eating <laughs> right, now. exactly. Like, like literally everybody I talked to said that. So I was like, so and I was like, oh, I didn't know what to expect. But like, I didn't eat at a resort at all. Like the whole time I was there and they set up an itinerary. They're like, hey, you know, here's some businesses like all over, all over the um, island that we would love you to feature. And I just went, did the whole thing. And it was crazy. Um, and it was just like one of the biggest, I guess, accomplishments I've ever had from this page where it's like, you know, international, people, international right? So it's like Josh eats Aruba, but it's like people that see like the work that I'm doing and the value that I'm bringing. And then they're like, you know, we want that where we're at. And that's why I made the comment earlier. Cause even for restaurants here in Philly, they're, they're seeing what I'm doing. They're like, you want that. And it's like the biggest honor when a place says something like that, you know, no matter what the place is, it could be like mom and pop corner shop. You know, if you want that, that's such an honor that you want that. If it's visit the but that's a massive honor, but still like, it's just so crazy that those opportunities can come I up. I mean, you're talking about like, uh, like they had you go down there. So Bill Kowalski owns Victory. And I've talked about this with him in the past. Great like guy. He's part of the board of tourism for Chester County, somehow involved with Chester County yeah. Tourism Association. And he, you know, it's important because bringing in tourists brings them business, you know, mm-hmm. not just him, but the other businesses around there. And if you go, when you go up to New York City, they have ads for Visit Bucks County. It's crazy. It's, th- it's every crazy. other ad is Visit Bucks County. Like, Bucks County weird. is killing it right yeah, now. They do such weird a good job. For somebody from Philly to go up to New York and be like, Bucks County, 
I don't live in Philly. Like, right. I don't go to Bucks County. Exactly. But, it's like, why would I go dude, to the suburbs? Exactly. Somebody, I grew up in Bucks County, yeah. and I live in New York now. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, exactly. That's that must the craziest be, like, thing. so surreal, though, like going into the subway and you're seeing Visit Bucks County. It's like, what's it's, that? It's like, <laughs> it's like, why? And like, I and I do get it, because, but I grew up there, too. Yeah, well, Hedler's Village and New Absolutely. Hope. There's a lot of great stuff in Bucks So the Absolutely. Whole, the whole tourism, like tourism is a huge business because when people yeah. travel someplace, they're not just you know living there like they're going there and they're going out every single night spending so, so much like, money you know build big brain energy like he's just like tourism is super important and the fact that like you know it's not just did you say big brain energy big brain energy i love that you Bill is one of the smartest people i've ever met but i love that everything he says is just like it's like oh well you need to think bigger like this is yeah. more important like aruba coming to you insane people from Still philadelphia because you have such a connection with people from Philadelphia to then go down to Aruba. But it's like the opposite of that is true. It's like you are almost like tourism coming into Philadelphia because you're located yeah. here. It's not just people in Philadelphia mm-hmm. that are looking at you. Because you have such a massive reach now, like you did win Food Importance of the Year. That is on the internet. Yeah. Like people do look that stuff up. So tourists are looking at this and like yeah. looking directly at your page. They Where are. are they going? They're, they don't know these mom and pop shops, but they do now yep. because mm-hmm. you're there. And it's so like crazy. And I, I, just, I just love everything you're saying, Richie, because I'm thinking, again, like always bring the full circle to imagine your person from, I don't know, Cleveland, Ohio, coming to Philly 30 years ago. You're going to stay at, I don't know, the Holiday Inn and just eat at whatever restaurants are around TGI there. Friday. Exactly, you right? Know. You're not even thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. But now in the era of social media and also in the era of Philadelphia, like the food scene finally getting the recognition it deserves. It's like now you're gonna go to like Josh eats Philly and be like, okay, what's really good in Philly? Like I'm coming from Cleveland, I want to try something new when I come to Philly. What's good? And, and I get I, those DMs, right? I, like when I go to other towns, I'm pulling up Instagram, figuring out where right. to go, and then I go to the restaurant, and even at the restaurant itself, I'm pulling up their Instagram and I'm right. looking at tag. They're tagged, not their pictures, the tagged right. posts about like what you looks want to see good. what the food looks exactly. like. Exactly. And it's like it's so funny because I I had the opportunity last year to work with um, Visit Philly as well for the same type of thing because they're like you know, let's showcase like some really good spots in Philly. So like I created like an itinerary that like, okay, if you're in Philly, here's some great spots to go. So we went to like Reading Terminal Market, of course, right? You got to go there. And then I went to, um, well, I with Visit Philly went to John Drew's Pork. Have you guys been there? Of yeah. course. Of course, right. Of course. It's an institution, yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, one of my favorite cheesesteaks in the city, like seriously. And I love Angelo's as well. Like Angelo's is great. Um, but John's Race Pork is just so, so, so good. And honestly, it's a little bit easier to get in and out of the line than like Angela's could be sometimes. Angela's is a monster at this point. It's it like, is. Like, I mean, you're going to wait It is the new forever. monster now. Yeah, you're going to wait forever. It used to be Delisandro's, I think. Yeah. And it's now kind of shifted to Angela's. Oh, big major shit. Yeah. And all the tourists get Angela's now, too. Mm-hmm. And it deserves all the accolades. Excellent cheesesteak. One thing I like with John's Race Pork is like. Also, you know, Angela's, we talk about like. Influencing matters. Why is that so big? Because Dave Portnoy went there and gave right. it a nine point two for their pizza. Literally, it's like right. And then after everyone had the pizza, they had the cheese. Like, oh crap! The cheese yeah. is greater than the pizza. Yeah, like I'm yeah. sure they had a line yeah. before, but it's like that's a direct right. influencer went direct there and influencer. it flipped yeah. on its head. Right. Mm-hmm. So John's Race Pork, amazing. And then we went to Calais and Fishtown. It's a new restaurant, James Beard Award. Yeah. Um, but like showcasing like the food in Philly and then also different price points too, like. Reading Terminal, you can go in and out and spend like five bucks on a pretzel and have one of the best pretzels of your life. You know, John's just pork 10 bucks for a cheesesteak where you can go to Calais and spend like a hundred bucks a person on dinner. You're having all these different types of experiences all within the city, right? And it's like, I just love being able to showcase, you know, if you're coming from out of town, you can have whatever experience you want in Philly. It's not just cheesesteaks. It's not just the Rocky statue. Like there's so much to do here outside of those things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think that's time. But yeah, this was an awesome conversation. Um, I, if you want to, we would love to have you back on. I think this, part two, right? Like, yeah. There's so much I feel like we haven't even began to touch on. That, I like I'd be yeah, we so interested. Stuff out there that we wanted to touch and we, we didn't hit it. But yeah, I think there's a lot, you know, of obviously connection between you and Brudat. You know, for sure. Obviously, for sure. you're much bit larger at this no. point. <laughs> um, but you know, like everything that you do is like so clean. Everything like there's a reason why you're kind of you know, where you're at. And, I, I'll take it. You know, <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it's good for everybody that like, you know, you're a good person, you know, it's like, it's not just like mm-hmm. a, like a big brand and like, you're kind of an asshole. Like I, when I met you at Victory, it was like very much like you're very approachable. You're a real person. And, uh, 
you know, I'm excited to kind of see where you're at in a couple of years. And, you know, I'm excited we... to see where you guys are at. Yeah. Well, hey, got... let's talk yeah, about, yeah. before we end, I want to talk about what you guys have coming up. Uh, yeah. 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 So like, as we talked about, we're working on this beer passport, beer crawl, where Excited. in, in April, April 26 is when we're actually starting it, but we're having like 20 breweries in Philly that are going to be a part of this and you get a free pour for whoever is a part of the passport and it's great for everybody because we really want to just get people in the neighborhood familiar with their local beer breweries that are in the town and it's great for the breweries that are going to get new people and what we like to do is like bring in the young approach to it too so i think that's a fun way to really get everybody involved involved in the beer scene and push local too I, so it's i would love that that sounds like yeah. a cool event and you're gonna be it's gonna be north philly this time right or it's gonna be it's gonna be all philadelphia county wow. so anywhere yeah south philly we have north philly yeah just all yeah all philly specifically philly though yes specifically i mean we were talking about some other stuff before maybe we'll talk about that next time you're on here yeah because um, i'm like it's so neighborhood centric stuff right i think there's a lot of potential mm -hmm. yeah what did you guys say 160 breweries like 30 mile radius or something yeah, isn't that crazy it's insane area. i know because yeah. i'm like again i was listening to the podcast and I'm, i think you said that statistic rich and i was like what yeah there's like no way yeah it's a i mean it's a lot but it's i mean as much as breweries are going out of business they're also opening up and it's just right like absolutely it's 100 Philadelphia's able to handle 160 breweries. Oh, for sure. But then the fact that you had said um, in that same episode, it's like, how come people don't know about all of those 160 places, right? Like you ask someone, yeah. what are three breweries in Philly? They're going to say like Yards, Victory. Maybe Love City. It's just Maybe like, Love yeah. City. Probably Evil Genius, yeah. they might say, because they have you know a lot of distribution yeah. out there. But it's like, you know, there's 160, like for what you guys are doing with Brewdat, you're going to be like that, like marketing that a lot of breweries never had for, you know? Yeah, they never, they never could have. Or, right. Yeah, it's... The voice to the voiceless, the voice of the small breweries <laughs> and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's almost like a subreddit on the entirety is, yeah. of Instagram of like, yo, here's the subreddit of where you guys can put all your content and like, exactly. just here, like, we'll point you in the right direction. Right, mm -hmm. like an encyclopedia of breweries in Philly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting, for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's fun. Hopefully it gets to Jersey and... Who knows where the future is, but it's it's the local beer. So exactly, focus on our neighborhood first. Yeah, and, and there's a lot right here. So oh, there is. exactly. Cool. So again, Josh eats Philly. Yeah. On all the Typically, platforms. where can we follow? Yeah. You oh, um, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. If you want to, <laughs> Facebook. And they have a website, JoshEatsPhilly.com. So if you haven't heard of it already. I mean, it is. <laughs> yeah, it has lots of great commercials. Uh, then you can follow <laughs> us uh, at Brudat and at the Brudat Podcast. And uh, you'll see.